Welcome to the good life. Uh. Welcome to the good life. The wait is over. Welcome to the good life. And after all the talk, all I gotta say is Welcome to the good life. You're welcome. You're all welcome. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. I get to shine. It's 5 o'clock. It's Friday. We got a rope burning special podcast. I'm with Gorlick and Rabinowitz. We were going to do another podcast with uh, an anonymous other burner that did not work out. Um, we'll start where we left off, and then we'll make our way back. Rabinowitz was telling this incredible story uh, about Noah Smith. What year was this for you? This was uh, my first year, freshman year. That was, oh, I can't do math. 2015? 2015? All right. Retell the story, please. This is incredible. Great. So, uh, Noah Smith, senior burner, uh, my freshman year. You know, first year, first year as a fresh, uh, it's at the burn pits, first day, he sort of came up to me and he was teaching me how to break wood. And he was a really, real nice guy, pink, rosy cheeks, <laughs> a little bit odd, but in that friendly way, uh, <laughs> not quite on the spectrum, but. Oh, no. Anyway, uh, he, he was a great guy, and it's unfortunate that he didn't get to burn a lot because of his scandalous scouting squad. <laughs> uh, but shout out to Phil's sister. Um, but he ended up teaching me a lot, so I was especially excited when he scouting great. I know I've mentored kids, and they've been on the opposite team as me, and then they've won the rope, which is really sad. But I was on his team, and he. When he, he went up to me day one and said, look, we're having a runner-burner meeting. And, you know, this is a moment I've been waiting for all my life. Runner-burner meetings, like, I've always wanted to be a burner. So I was excited to hear what was happening in these secret meetings. Uh, and he pulls us into the radio electronic shack where the officers are doing their work. This is the year the senior social hall was under construction um, or closed. And he takes his backpack out the lieutenants <laughs> doing their work silently eating some pop tarts he slowly unzips his bag and pulls out this blue this sky blue deep deep ocean blue folder slash binder slash uh, clipboard like one of the clipboard compartments he opens it up like a briefcase this is epic takes out a piece of paper. It starts off pretty small, this piece of paper. It's, it's maybe, like the, maybe like the size of a regular 8 by 11 and a half uh, piece of paper. And he unfolds it. And he unfolds it again. And again. And one more time. And it turns out to be this five foot by five foot hand-drawn two-scale map of <laughs> the entire top of camp. The Bob Herman Field and everything, marked with trees and the roads and a, and a legend, so you know what, what's on the map, with pathways and zones. And, and I was just, I was just breath. I mean, the, 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 lieutenants, the lieutenants look back, look back at, the, at the back of the radio electronic shack and are like, what the hell is that? He's sort of um, like a supervillain with the whole, with 
this whole thing. And it's very interesting because he's like one of those NFL players that had a really bad drug problem that were really talented. And it was like, what if he could have stayed on the field? What if he could have stayed on the Bob Herman field? Um, do you think he was stacking Germany or no? I don't think he was stacking. I think it was his senior year and he didn't want to risk it. These maps were dated a lot because he had multiple maps. These maps were dated. Uh, and I didn't see anything from the current year. I think he really wanted to play it safe and burn for his senior year because he was a, a, a great burner. I mean, it was pouring rain, and he burned his rope very fast. Um, he could have, I think, he could have gotten the record uh, if it hadn't been raining. So, um, well, wait. I'm saying, do you think he stacked at all in any of his years? Oh yeah, sure. He got caught stacking. I'm pretty sure that's why I got a, a penalty. But the thing about stacking, and I have to say this. Um, is it's night. No one's going on the field and thinking to themselves, okay, I have to go 20 paces to the right, 30 to the left, and look underneath a rock to get wood. Like, there's wood in the woods. There's no point in stacking. Um, but no, I, I don't think he was stacking. Um, and I, I, I mean, not this year. In his previous years, yes, he was certainly scouting and stacking. He was. It was an epic uh, year when he burned that rope. Can yeah. you guys hear me, by the way? Yeah, yeah. totally. All right. All uh, right. I actually have a lot of insight into this Noah Smith fiasco of the like the, well, the well, saga. Start off, start off before you get into it. Start off where what is his legacy in rope burning? He's like the guy who God, I don't even. All right, imagine someone in like the NFL or whatever NBA, anything, who's like an insane athlete, like super skilled, but they're yeah, like, always yeah. having these issues. That's what I so said, they're... the athlete with the drug problem. Oh, I didn't – I wasn't here for that. Yeah, I had to he leave. Was yeah, I was like, he's one of those – we had this flyer in the Patriots named Josh Gordon. There are a lot of <laughs> drug issues. Um, and he was – he's 6'6", 210 pounds. And if he could just stay on the field, it was ridiculous. He'd catch everything. I feel like Noah Smith is sort of like the Josh Gordon of Greylock. Yeah. Really, like, really talented. He's an insane talent, but he always had things going wrong for him. And the the – Perspective. The reason that I have a kind of unique perspective is because I actually caught him uh, the year that he was uh, accused of stacking and they had the tribunal to, you know, the tribunal outside the hockey rink of like Lucas and. Jim oh, yeah, I want to hear about this. I want to hear about this. I'm, yeah. So and, and that's when they decided his fate. Uh, what, were the, no, what were the discussions? No, I didn't hear the discussion because this was like a top of the this is like the top men discussing this. There were no women judges, so it was just the top men. But women weren't allowed to be judges until the year. Well, Jen, Jen Lavelli, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there wasn't really, there wouldn't have been really any women that would have been judges until that year. But yeah, I not like we're just for the sake of there's a whole suffrage movement. Who isn't aware? This is sarcasm, by the way, people who are listening. It's not that women weren't allowed to be judges; it's just that the opportunity hadn't presented itself. But anyway, the abolition movement hadn't started yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gorlick, like, you're robot again. You're going robot. You're robot. Ah! Well, all right, we'll, we'll keep the talking going. Um, so I guess, um, and we talked about this last time, repeat everything you just said about this. So there's mind tricks you could do in rope running. You could start rushing the other guy. Like Rogo tried to do this this year with uh, Ryan Chase, but Ryan Chase is just so good and in his own world that he just – he just ignored, like, even though Rogo's fire looked like it was going to start, was going to start to hit the rope and he hadn't even, he had barely lit. Like, what are these mind tricks that you've learned, Rabinowitz? Well, uh, I have to say that 
the some some burners um, are just built ha- have bulletproof skulls and nothing will get to them. Some aren't like Benny Rogowski. He he um, he had some trouble. He was nervous. Ryan Chase is like a a big kid. And I I mean I mean big in in the brain uh, or <laughs> however you want to take that. But <laughs> big in the brain. Nothing nothing is gonna stop Ryan Chase from thinking he is quite literally the best person for the job. He's um, really good though. Of course he's really good. No. Uh, but nothing's going to stop him and, and get, get into his mind. Now, there are certain things, like, with Ostow, I sort of, like, I sort of trash talk him. I can tell he really didn't care junior year because he didn't really have anything to lose, right? Like, he, no one expected him to win. If he lost, no one would It was like him. a 16 seed playing a one seed. Yeah, it's like. And that's honestly the scariest position to have your opponent be in. Because they have, if they have nothing to lose, oh my god! Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was a little scared, but I, I, you know, the trash talk was there. I trash talked the the lieutenants more than him. I vividly remember in the dining hall, uh, the I um, who was it? It was Waxman and Leonard walking to get more food, crossing the gray line. That was gray all four, so I knew my territory. I knew where people were going. Uh, and I, I go in front of them when when people when we find out that Ostow had to burn, and I said, "Thank you, thank you so much for handing me this rope and this red and gray. I cannot thank you." I got like, this on was, my knees. I like <laughs> this was really going out. the wrong way for you. With the, oh like, yeah, it aged, and then, aged like milk. And then it well, was... we'll get into this now, I guess. Go into what you said to Ostow um, when you had your, when it looked like <laughs> you were about to light your fire. So Ostow tried to light before me, and. Um, he couldn't, uh, because lighting in red and gray is not, is not like, is not similar to lighting in the pits. I mean, there's, there's, there's pressure. You only get three matches. He couldn't get his fire up. I think he might've had to take a match penalty. I'm not exactly sure, but I said to him, when my fire got up, this is why you don't mess with the Greylock legend. (laughs) It was a term that I had used before. Uh, for Friesen, the late Adam Friesen, Friesen. By the way, I am done. I hate. Adam. I love Adam Friesen as a person, but he cost me too many grades. Anyways, continue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was something. It was not relatively new and made up for Ostow. It's something that I actually had said before. But I mean, the whole loss to Ostow, and we can get into this more later, was a real vibe check, a real reality check, and I think I, it was I definitely grew grew a lot from it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I, think it was good for you. Yeah. I this might be the first time you hear of this, Jeremy, and I'm sorry, but uh your brother was up there, if you remember. Yeah during totally. rope burning. I told him I said to him then and there, I was like, Yeah, your brother's like he's gonna lose. I was like, Jeremy's gonna lose this hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want Jeremy to lose this. Oh, I yeah. genuinely wanted you to lose so badly. I was so happy I think, with yeah. the loss. Like I think a lot of people did. No, I definitely and, a lot of people did because I mean the entire record, under yeah. that story. You were like the villain. You were the villain right then and there. And I had. And it was such a good underdog story. Someone that I hated genuinely. I look. It all really did start freshman year. I mean, I generally have a big ego when it comes to a lot of things. I'm in a fantasy football league right now. I'm five and five. Uh, No, I'm five and six. My team isn't that great. And every week I play someone, and I'm like, "You're gonna lose." Like you, you don't understand how good my team is. but like in rope burning, when I when a lot of when I won freshman year, that was the first time in like seven years that a freshman had burned their rope, and I was told, you know, 
I thought of myself as such a big deal. And then sophomore year beating um, Friesen again, I was on the Max Whistle Tier track, you know? Oh, my God. So it it really was meant to be that I lost this rope. I mean, my dad was even like, Jeremy, you got too cocky. Like, you're going (laughs) to lose. Like, don't be cocky next year. It was really like the Cavs beating the Warriors when they were down 3-1. Like, no one was expecting this. Um, I I really thought this was – just the whole night with Benny losing to uh, Ollie, and then this happening was like two one seeds losing in a row. Oh yeah, it was it definitely was, one of the best was, nights, best rope was, nights. Oh yeah, Jim was. This was an, Jim was. Jim doesn't listen to this, does he? Um, sometimes we don't know. Well, <laughs> Jim was <laughs> rock hard. Okay, I he know. Was, Jim was. <laughs> Jim wow. Said, Jim, Jim said to. So this is a story none of you guys know. Um, so we're in the. I'm in Jim's car the next day for or the van with, and he's driving it for the rover trip for Campus Day Out, and he goes to the feeder. The first thing he says is. That was fucking fantastic, don't you think? <laughs> um, he's gonna kill me that I just said that, but uh, but he he loved it. It was truly amazing. There were yeah. so many upsets. Totally. Um, and you know, you mentioned like seven years until a freshman had burned a rope. Now it seems like every year is a is a it, it comes down to the freshman, which is really interesting. Because I'm um, pretty sure as we make this episode, Jim right now is 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 like certain web for like who's going to be the next burners and how can we yeah because you know i visited this year right and of course visiting if you ever visit red and gray um especially if you don't come back for rover summer like i saw jim and i said hi jim and he just gave me possibly the worst look i've ever received in my <laughs> yeah life. It's, it's, a, no, it's not a good look menacing glare that was a bad day to visit though. i went to go that see was a, I there was a lot going on and and without even saying a word to me jim grabbed me by the arm and sat me down in a chair and just didn't even say acknowledge me so when it came down to the freshman and i was standing <laughs> there on the field he looked at me and he smiled for the first time i i don't think i've ever actually seen him smile since then um, Damn, I, I was running with the freshman. I wish I would have saw that. It, you, know, uh, you don't really get to see that. Yeah, so it, it was fantastic. Um, and so we talked about, once again, we had to re-record this because of a certain person. What went wrong with the Austin, the Austin matchup? Okay, there was, a, there was a number of factors that went wrong with that matchup. Uh, first your ego. First my ego, right. <laughs> that, that, honestly, like, it's, it's weird because – it was a perfect year to lose. Like I, I needed to lose, and it was a, it was a weird night. And it, it feels like people will say, "Oh, your attitude isn't going to lose you a rope," but maybe it did. Like who's to say it didn't? Um, it was the first dry year. It was like a it was a dry red and gray. The past two were were fairly wet, so they thought, "Let's just make these boundaries impossible," um, and somewhere no one's ever been. They put it behind the senior athletic field, which was dangerously far and kids got lost my runner russell rosenthal lost in the woods he said he claimed he like impaled his foot or he (laughs) lost something like that and you just kept going um i don't remember who spotted him but but they were both he says they were both like yelling at each other like where are we like what's happening where are we supposed to go (laughs) so five five minutes he ran he came back like twice i was seriously scraping around for feeding wood um, Ostow had superior runners. He had Benny right by his side, telling him what to do. Focus more on his fire than um, focus more on Ostow's fire than his. And that's, yeah, it, that's a big factor why he lost. Like he yeah. said, and I have to say, as Lu- as Lucas, a very good Lucas movie, uh, the Perfect Storm. <laughs> you know, um, I love that. Um, and so 
Gorlick, let's get to you now. So a lot of you guys who listen to this are probably a little young, but there was an all-time showdown between Jacob Gorlick and my group head, Harry Jennings, where they both passed out, I think, right? Well, why don't you tell it? Tell, tell the freshman one. All right. Set the stage. We got to clear, clear the misconceptions about this. We did not both pass out. This is how it all went down. This was in 08. It was a very, very, very wet red and gray. Like, it rained every sport. day. Or, uh, or, I don't even... Or the ropes, what the rope situation was. No. Well, it was 4-1. And this, this had never <laughs> happened. Well, a lot of people don't know that, Gore. Like, like, you think, like, Jesse didn't yeah. that? Like, no. Um, it's a 4-1. The first ever 4-1 to be won by the team that needed all four ropes. Uh, first time ever that that's happened. It wasn't the first time that there was ever a 4-1, but it was the first time that the team that needed four ropes actually won. Um, and this was like, when I say it was a very wet, red, and gray, I mean, it rained every day. Like, this wood was thoroughly soaked. It, it, this was a like, two-hour rope burning. Mm. And it starts with us arriving super late. And when I say us, I mean every single runner and burner. We had gotten up there. Like 45 minutes later, something ridiculous. So uh, late to the point that Jim was asking the captains for a list of names. This is before yes. backup burners were a thing. Yes, that's correct. This is before backup burners were even a thing. And oh, Jim wow. was asking the people there for a list of backups for everything because no one was there who was meant to be there. Because I, like, I remember, I remember not even knowing that we were supposed to be up there until like someone came running down to find us all on like court one and was like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're all waiting. We're like, Oh, and we walk up like linked arms. It was, at, it was ridiculous, honestly, but well, what was, this the, what, was like, what was going on in the runner burning meeting going into this? You're up four one. You just need one. Row. Oh my God. All right. All right. All right. All right. So now we'll start. Okay. This is how it all began. First, Max Wisseltier was on the red team. Max Wisseltier, the best burner of all time, based on record, based on him just being like a fantastic burner. Yeah, he's the he only person to burn all four ropes for, for anyone. Yes. Only only person to ever burn all four ropes. And he's also 4-0 in red and gray. I'm pretty sure he's actually 5-0 and if you include his rover red and gray. Like this guy, he's a winner, all right? He's a winner with a winner mentality. Uh, he he was always super calm. He was He was always like, no nonsense. I remember I walked into to nature and I saw him like my first day ever at nature. He's a senior. I'm a freshman and he's sticking the, the sticks into the actual ground. Like he's like sticking them into the ground. So they stand up and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? And he's like, I'll tell you if you get me water. This is before we had a hose <laughs> at the fire pits. We don't. Do so, we? No, now we do. What? We do. I know these kids have it so good. They don't know. So I went and got him water, right? And this is before they had the little, like, I had to get water out of gallon jugs. We had gallon jugs, or, and that's how we got trash water. Cans. Yeah. So I, I, I went and got him water, and then he told me, he's like, oh, I'm just doing it to do it. Like, I was just messing around. I'm like, and, like, from that day on, I, I, like, I was like, screw this guy. Like, I hate him. He wasted my time. <laughs> but this is, this is what I see in Maxwell's with here. Like, he's at nature just messing around. He knows he's the best. He, you know. It, that's a that's a rope that's going to Max Wilson here. So at a runner burner meetings, I'm on gray, he's on red. We're not even discussing the possibility of winning that senior rope. Like really, we we did say well, we had the level of like a a Benny a Benny Ali type mismatch. 
dude, everyone knew that Whistletear was the best ever. Like, even, in, even in the moment. Yes. So it was what we would say. We had my senior lieutenant um, was Mike Horowitz. And he was also the burner. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'll win my rope, you know, and you have to believe you have to have that mindset. Like I'll be able to do it. Otherwise you're going to just die mm-hmm. to the like pressure. But you know, we weren't really entertaining the fact that that's the rope that we're going to win. We were entertaining the fact that we would win our junior and sophomore rope because we had the favored burners for both of those. We had Adam Vlockarbonius, the guy who holds the fastest record ever for a fire by like 60 is, minutes or something. That's crazy. Which he got as a sophomore. And this, and you know, it, this was now his junior year. He just got the fastest fire ever. Like this is the guy, you know, he, he was so in his head, it was unbelievable. He was saying to me, and I'm not exaggerating, the first runner-burner meeting we have, this is what he says. He, and he's taking the lead, obviously, because, like, Mike Horowitz, although he's a burner, he wasn't, like, the favorite burner, similar to Jeremy, where, why you took the lead uh, your junior year. So he, uh, Adam Vlockarbonius is like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to win my rope, and then – Wyatt Lunson was our sophomore burner. He's like, Wyatt's going to win his rope, and then it's over. And then, and then you know, all right, he's like, and if I don't win my rope, Wyatt's definitely winning his rope. And if he doesn't win his rope, then you're winning your rope. And like, bam, and we win. But this is all we discuss at the runner-burner meetings. We That's don't discuss, like, anything. Well, you are. No. You were too cocky about it. No, but this is even on the first day of runner-burner meetings. Like, we didn't discuss anything. But you're absolutely correct. Like, they were way – it was way too cocky. Uh. So this is like what's happening during the runner burner meetings. And Mike Horowitz was usually, I think he was there for the first one. I'm not sure if he was there for the other ones. Cause like he was a senior Lieutenant. He was, you know, he knew that Adam Vlockarbonius, who's a fantastic burner could run these meetings and that he could just go and, you know, worry about the team and like getting everything to work and all the entries and whatever. So that's what he was doing. And this is, this is what the dynamic was. So getting back to actually rope burning, we get there super late. Jim's asking for replacements for everyone. He's about to call for the actual replacements to come up as we are walking up this hill. Uh, so we all get there finally. It's super late. And he just does the like, all right, one, two, three, rope burn. And, the, and like everyone's off. Jeez. So, Wait, this was at night you said, right? Yes, this no. is at night. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this was a normal rope burning, uh, but it was super, super wet. And it happened actually, it happened very, it started like 45 minutes late. Um, so everyone, you know, all the runners run off. This is before we had boundaries or whatever, or like the new boundary system, which is in place to stop stacking and all that. Did you have like spotters? To, yes, yes. They had spotters. Uh, but this is like back in the like old days, I guess, of rope burning where it's like, people would say if you get caught in the, if a if a senior sees a freshman in the woods like they're done even though of course this never happened yeah like but this is like <laughs> yeah murder like, this this literally never happened but like these are the days where like that was the like stigma or whatever even though you know you had spotters to make sure that never happened and it didn't happen anyway but this, this is the kind of days we're talking about we're talking about the like unregulated days and the, the anarchy uh, day the anarchy yeah era. exactly so so Adam Vlockarbonius is making a great, he's making a really quick fire and he's coming off of just having the fastest fire ever as a sophomore. So I can only imagine that his thought process is, is like, I'm easily going to win this. 
you know, I'm super good. He's super cocky about it, I imagine. So he lights a really quick fire. He lights a, like, disgustingly fast fire. Like, I'm pretty sure he didn't even box. Yeah, like, he, like, barely even boxes fire before he lights. Did he have good runners, though? I think so. Yes, he did. He did have good runners. He had, um... Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? He had a... Jeremy, a kid in your division who has an older brother was the same age as Vlock, uh... God, I'm blanking on his name. But anyway, yes, he had uh, he had I forget who his two runners were, but one of them was a very one of like the best runners. All the runners in that division were actually really good. Um, so he had good runners. So did the other runner, but you know, Vlock is Vlock. So he he lights early. He has the wood to do it. He lights early. The wood is super wet, so his fire like takes forever to actually get lit. And like once it gets lit, it, it collapses. And you know, as soon as he lights the posing burner. Alex Meyer, who was a captain the next, the following year, Alex Meyer lit his fire immediately. Um, because, you know, when you light, it's kind of like a, it's like an unspoken rule, or I guess kind of it is spoken actually, but it's like when you light, when the, when someone lights, you got to light your fire. It's just how it goes. When you're, yeah, that's, you gotta that's, light. that's the number one rule. Yeah. So this is what, so obviously Alex Meyer lights his fire right then there. And neither of the fires were even close to being ready to like, withstand these conditions just because the wood was so wet the fire collapsed they didn't have enough tinder like whatever it was and they were just struggling for a really long time somewhere in that time while they're struggling to get their fires going max whistletier lights his rope horowitz lights his rope or his fire rather and uh whistletier wins and also the sophomores had lit their fires i got psyched out heavy like talking about mind games harry jennings this this freaking guy he psyched me out so hard he was and i didn't even know he did this on purpose until he told me a few years ago but uh whistletier essentially told him to fake light his fire because we have like we had an entire 500 box of matches That's because so it was super smart. wet yeah so Whistletier told him to fake light his fire to get me to light my fire. Because, again, going back to this unspoken rule. So I light my fire when I see him doing this. And also, I was really cocky. I was, I was like, slightly favored going into this. Like, I went to nature twice a day every day. Like, I, I only cared about rope burning. Like, that was my sport at Greylock was rope burning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I was really cocky anyway. And, like, I see him go to light. And I'm like, all right, I'm lighting. Like, let's go. And... You know, this is a, just a disaster situation because he tried to get me to light really early and obviously succeeded. And, and the conditions were terrible for everyone. Like everyone had trouble getting their fires going up. Even, you know, Whistletier had a little bit of trouble too. Like, and Whistletier is super calm and everything, but like everyone had trouble. And it was just, <laughs> oh my God, he, this move was insane that he pulled it off and it, like it worked perfectly. So I lit my fire. He waited another like 30 minutes to light his fire and my fire just collapses. It's like not even, it's like not even on the rope because it's not under the rope. It's like three inches to the left of the rope. It it was, it was just a mess. And I'm like freaking out. Like I'm losing my mind kind of. And as this is all happening, Whistletier has now won his rope. Uh, Adam Vlockarbonius and Alex Meyer do something that's like never been done before. I believe they agree to each other. They should, they say, listen, 
I'm going to knock my fire down. Like, I'm going to start completely new. Why did they, they both shook hands? That? Because neither of the fires could get up. And they, and they were just like, they started, they made essentially, they tried to light really small fires because if you have perfect conditions, like what Vlock had the year before, where there's no wind and it's like not, it's the woods perfectly dry, mm-hmm. then you can make a small fire. Like just a small teepee fire, you can make a right. really quick one, light it, and it, it will burn the rope. I mean, you don't win, you don't build winning fires. You build small losing fires and then you build them, you feed them until they're winning fires. Yeah. It's like the general so, rule. Yeah. So he was trying to do what he did. I imagine, I, I don't know this, I haven't spoken to him about it, but I can only imagine that he was trying to do what he did the year before, which worked out amazingly for him, which is make a small fire. But it, that just, that would not work in these conditions. So the fire, you know, just, they couldn't get their fire to go up. It just never would go up. It was just, the wood was way too wet. You know, they kept feeding it, but it was already like dead. And it just, it was, if you feed a dead fire, you have to essentially make a really big bonfire, which I haven't seen anyone really do successfully until Lucas Olin this past summer. And, you know, this is back in the TP meta, like everyone's making TP fires. So they couldn't make a TP fire and they're like, I, I'm going to kick it down. I'm going to have Michael come with the hose and pour it out and we're just do it again, redo it. So they both agreed. They shook hands and like true gentlemen, you know, they both did it. And the wind was blowing in the direction of me and Jennings specifically in Jennings direction. So all the smoke from these super wet fires that were just put out was blowing directly into Jennings as he's lighting his fire and like blowing on it. Cause all, all we're doing is just blowing on these fires because they're super wet. It's really hard to get them going. So he's blowing on the fire. And when he goes to inhale, he's inhaling smoke and he gets super lightheaded and passes out from this. And Jim has this list from earlier because we came so late of who the replacement burner would be. And, you know, they had never needed this. They had never had this list before, but he just, because of the, because of all these coincidences, he had it right then and there. So he calls in Ethan Rosenthal to go in for Harry Jennings. And I don't know what's going on. No one really knows what's going on, but I see that Jennings is gone and there's like a penalty in terms of like time before the next guy can go in. Like they had to make the rules up on the spot. And my face is burnt because I've just been blowing on this fire 24 seven. Like I'm super dehydrated. So I go to get water from the hose. Like I'm drinking water out of a hose, like a dog, which is on the inside. This is when we were on the other field, the field that's like on the side of the junior the, tennis yeah, court. Yeah. So I was on the inside of it to get the water from Michael Marcus. So no one could see me and they don't know what's going on. So they assume after what happened to Jennings that I was passed out or incapacitated and they replaced me. But I felt that I was ready to get, that I could continue. But in hindsight, I definitely could not. I was really dehydrated and like, you know, my mindset was also pretty terrible. So it was a good thing I wasn't continuing. But they put in Ryan Polakoff and then they, you know, cart me over to the infirmary where I see Jennings and we're just like, dude, what's going on? You know, Jennings and I are friends like we were in the same bunk and we're just we're just listening to the cheers. And we're like, oh, my God, like, is it over? What happened? And we're drinking like seven cups of water. And it's just ridiculous. So this is the story of like the 08 rope burning behind the scenes. And it was just crazy because we both got replaced. It came down to the freshmen. They won it. It was a 4-1. 
they won all four ropes. It was insane. Like this was honestly, you know, at the time I hated it because I lost. If like, if I had won, I would have won it for my team, but I lost it for my team. And I had seniors come into my bunk on campus day out and be like, dude, you sucked. <laughs> like, kids, I don't, I had no idea who the kids were. They came into my bunk, into my bunk, and they were like, dude, your fire was terrible. Like, I don't know what you were doing. You shouldn't have burned. Like, you lost me red and gray. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have to, I have to um, give a, a tip here. If there's any burners listening to this podcast or future burners, um, one thing I discovered, cause girl, like you mentioned your face burning off, which is totally something that happens. Like your <laughs> lips get like chapper than ever. Oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. your face is like, it's like a horrible sunburn. So junior yeah. and senior year, I smeared aquaphor. Now I, don't know if you guys watch boxing or MMA, but you know, before they get in the rink, they put like Vaseline on the face. Like, yeah, yeah. like how, like, and that's like, that's like so dope. Like, I think that's sick. Like Michael Marcus. Don't do Vaseline. Well, like, Aquaphor and Vaseline were originally created to, like, stop burns. But, like, I think Michael Vaseline's Marcus should, should come out with that latex glove with, and line up with a tub. And <laughs> with smear, a tub smear. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, they're about to enter an octagon. And, like, it's like a, like, this is it. Like, get in your zone. Well, that, yeah. that's crazy. Um, losing a 4-1 like that. I feel like oh my people God. must have been and, so and- upset. Dude, like that's the, the amount of backlash and hate I got as like, and I was like a little. Was it just too. you like, I, that received this hate? I mean, was it just you that was getting the hate, or was it the entire grade? Breaking? I don't know. No, I I think it was. I think it was more than just me. I don't think it was Mike Horowitz because I don't think anyone expected him to win that rope just because like. But Vlad definitely he, deserved some. It sounds like some slap. Well, or some hate. I think Vlock took it really hard on himself because the following year. You know, he had the mind, like, he went into that determined to win. And he was not messing around. This kid built a really good fire, really quick. He did everything right. He was, like, no nonsense about it and won that rope easy. Like, he went into the next, the following year, like, determined after what happened. Sort of like Rabinowitz, where it's like, you know, he lost when he was heavily favored and was really cocky. And he's like, I can't. Like, it was a reality check Mm -hmm. that I think he desperately needed. Um and he came back and was way better for it. Uh, so I had a reality check too, because like I was just really underprepared. I think in part because of the runner burner meetings, not preparing me at all. And also were your runners good. I had the, well, yeah. So I had Matt Fishman um, and Ben Klein, I believe. I, I think it was Ben Klein. Yes. So I like all the runners in my division were all good runners. Uh, there was one who like st- stood out as the best in my opinion, which was Adam Friedman, who was also a captain uh, because he did long distance. He did like track and was just a really like, I had a lot of really good athletes in my division, like really big kids, good athletes, like really good stamina. But Adam Friedman was just like a tank. Even though Matt Fishman, what you look at Matt Fishman as a senior, this kid's huge. He's like, he's a tank. It's just Adam Freeman was like, he had a running background, which is why I think he was the best. But my division had good, good runners. You know, I had the favored runners my senior year, but that year, I don't know who had the favorite. I don't even know if anyone did. Like, I want to talk about runners, all good. because runners, yeah. runners are, 
as as important runners are, right? Good burners. There's there is to there is an extent where burners just they can't win with how terrible runners perform, but good burners can sort of equalize the the running uh, playing field. Jim, really think Jim, so? yeah, Jim claims that he doesn't look for runners. Uh, I think that's bogus when he uh, when he makes the teams, which I I don't I I don't think it's bogus, but no, when, that's that's correct. It's true. When you think about when you think about like my junior year with Ostow. I w- I'm going to say that that was a fairly close rope. Um, it's not like I didn't have a fire, and as much as much as I was as much as I was um, scrapping up wood from the ground, I was maybe one or two minutes away from from my flame, or one minute away from my flame, uh, consistently on the rope to winning that. I mean, my rope was uh, on fire by the end, by the time his dropped. So, like our running disparity was huge. But there's another thing too. Senior year, he had way more wood than he could ever need. He had this huge pile of wood, Ostow. Yeah. And his runners were so good that they just kept getting more, but that's not what he needed. He needed them to break for him. Mm-hmm. He'll get more whether the runners just weren't experienced enough and thought that. But, um. But yeah, runners, they're important, but to an extent. I mean, good burners. I agree. Um, I want to end this with this um, from each of you. We'll start with Gorlick. Actually, no, we'll start with the Rabinoids. What, how do you make the perfect fire? Give us a step-by-step process of oh the ideal God. Germany Rabinoids fire. Um, so I'm gonna, step by step. I, I want to say that the meta changes every year. And well, I, I'm going to blame. I want the peak of his power. I know, but listen, I, I have a lot to say about this because <laughs> I'm going to blame, straight up blame, Benny Burkon for <gasps> changing the meta of rope burning. I don't remember people considering just throwing things in a pile and lighting it before he was around. Then they and he coined the term Benny Fire, and <laughs> I was honestly scared that Ostow, um senior year or junior year, or both, was going to build a Benny fire. Like, is that something that I can compete with? Why can't we? And this, you know, this also started with Ali Kiselnik boxing first. That was a huge, like, that was huge that was step, innovative. right? This is like, if we're talking about the evolution of rope burning. Very boxing, innovative. And also, if I might add very briefly, Adam Vlachobonius, his senior year, he boxed with, instead of four pieces of wood, to like make a box, he did a triangle with three pieces yeah, of wood. This is like wow, the evolution. Um, so okay, what is my perfect fire? I something tight, something to at a point. This this beautiful teepee thing. The problem is like a red and gray fire is nothing like a a, a fire that you yeah. get in the pits. It's really just how fast can you build a fire? How fast can you throw things together and and light it? Well, um, so I, I can't really, I don't really know what the perfect fire is. The perfect fire is something that goes up fast and, and burns that rope. Yeah. Okay, Gorley, go ahead. I would say, I don't think I ever really made a good fire. I disagree, Gorley. No, I, I, have to, I have to mention. I saw My sophomore year. That, my sophomore year. There's a beautiful picture of Gorlick and Jennings. Their fires are pillars. Just yeah. beautiful years of of flame. 
towering year, five feet above the rope. I appreciate that. Thank you. And yeah, like that's the only good fire I ever made during running Greg. And I, I burned three years. I did. I left halfway through junior year, so I didn't burn that year. But like Jennings was always, we were always neck and neck. Uh, you know that that summer, that's that sophomore year. Like he would have burned that rope three seconds later, two seconds later after it dropped. Like we were, li- that was literally, it was seconds, not minutes, not like 20 seconds. It was like single digit seconds. That's crazy. It was unbelievable. And our fires looked almost identical too. Like they, they were both, I mean, they were beautiful fires. I'll, I'll be honest to toot my own horn a little bit, but that's not realistic. You can't really do that. I spent like, that's that during that rope burning, I like, <laughs> I took my wood I, I stayed much calmer. Like, that's what I knew I had to do because I lost my, I was kind of like freaking out the summer before, which is why I didn't do well. And I came in with the mindset, like, I'm not losing. So I stayed a lot calmer and was able to make a really good looking fire. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. I think for rope burning, the best thing you can do for, for like the best fire you could ever make is just a fire that you make while you're calm. Mm. You don't want to like if you if you're if you're freaking out, losing your mind, like feeling the pressure, then you're gonna you're gonna just mess up. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna make like small mistakes, and you're gonna keep making them, and they're gonna compound until they build up to a fire that just is not good. So like maybe you won't box hard enough, and you won't you won't hug your fire enough, and you won't have it be high enough, and you won't and you'll have too much like big wood instead of like pencil wood and whatever and like you'll just make all these mistakes that will compound so the best thing you can do is just be calm uh and the best the best fire you can make is as jeremy said anything that burns the rope i mean make a make a fire that looks like a jonathan um jonathan schwartz fire he made the nicest looking fires i've ever seen in rope burning every year he always made beautiful fires mm-hmm. um all right well this was really fun um we're going to – I was telling Rabinowitz, I really like about these pods. He's going to be back on. Um, I think you guys will see once you finish this. And, yeah. Should we, hold on. I, hold on. Before we end, I, I think it's worth telling the hat story. The what story? The hat story. Oh, go ahead. Let's hear about the hats, dude. This is a – I have forgot about this. Oh this is God. a Great Unwashed. <laughs> great Unwashed is the name given by Jim onto our – sort of our, our Jewish name given on to our division <laughs> by the Yams. Um, this is one of the best stories from the Great Unwashed. It was, um, it was, uh, senior, junior, junior year. Was it junior year or senior year? Junior year. And I had these hats. This is junior year. So keep in mind, this was the height of my, um, cockiness, my don't mess with the Greylock legend, uh, (laughs) regime. And I had these hats. My brother made a hat, custom hat, at lids that said Greylock on the front and Rabinowitz on the back. I still have it. Um, I'm actually wearing it now in, in light of this podcast. Um, and I wore it backwards. I wore it every day. It was gray. I was gray all four. And I hung it up on my bed. This was right after I was in the dining hall and clapping in Waxman and Leonard's face. Thank you for handing me this red and gray. Will goes up to them and says, can we just, can we just do something to Jeremy? Will and Nick Darris, can we just 
can you just f up this shit? Like, and I, I, I okay, I don't want to. I'm not gonna tell you what they said, but let's just say, because that, because they, of course, they're the lieutenants, they're the officers. They need to say the right thing. My hats ended up in the lake. Both of Yikes. them. Throne, one I, I heard was just dropped in the lake by, by Will because he was scared, and then Darius just took the red one and chucked it as far as he could. <laughs> That's a classic Darius move. These it hats, was by the like, porch, wasn't it? Yeah, the... yeah on, the, on the York. So the, the, the gray hat meant a lot to me because that was my brother's. He, he gave it to me. I wore it rope burning. Uh, the red hat was, was new. I made it just in case I was on red. But I lost it. I mean, I seriously went around to every red kid in that division and said, where are my hats? Um, this, is, this is not right. Screaming at Will. I, I might have shed a tear. Talked to Jim. You know, Jim said, you know, I don't know if he said this to me or my lieutenants, but if he wasn't running his mouth so much, maybe his hats wouldn't end up in the lake, which oh was, which was a, fair, a fair point. Anyway, I was on the sailing we didn't even know where they went. We didn't even know that they were in the lake. Um, but I was on the sailing. My boat, as I pushed my boat off, I think the Rose Twins said, Jeremy, they found your hats. Uh, someone dove into the lake and retrieved them. Oh, wow. Uh, Who was it? Who dove in? I think it was Cole, maybe? Cole. Do you guys remember Cole? Shepard? Maybe. I love Cole Shepard. I, I think it was him. Wow. So, it... Real heroic moment. I, I don't want to say it was him for sure. <laughs> heroic moment. I, was, <laughs> I don't even remember who saved you. Not even positive it was him. Yeah, but it was. I was. You know, I was so happy. That that was great. But one of the best. I mean, my bed's been flipped a million times. There's a picture of me lying in my bed that's in a trash can. Um. Yeah. So it didn't. That was the only thing. The only time that Will has ever actually gotten in my head during Red and Gray. All right. Yeah, like I said before on the re-recorded pod, uh, A-Rob and Will, legendary Greylock trash talking. Gra- mm. Trash talkers to freshmen. Oh, yeah. Uh, very, very. You don't even have to have any important significance no, in the contest. Like some six-game volleyball player. You fucking suck. <laughs> no one likes you. And he's like, I don't even know your name. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all right. This was really fun, guys. We'll do this again soon. Um, all right. Goodbye. All right.